Hello and welcome to Nothing But The Color Yellow. This is your host, Gato, a.k.a. Gato Luna. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about Aegon Targaryen, son of Aenus I, a.k.a. Aegon the Uncrowned. So Aegon the Uncrowned was born in 26 AC, and he was the son of Aenus Targaryen and Lady Alyssa Bellarn. Uh, it is said that he was in Dragonstone when his uh, grandsire, Aegon the Conqueror, died. He, alongside with Viserys, were said to be with him in the stone table when he was retelling them how he conquered, or rather, unified Westeros. Because let's not forget, the way Aegon saw it, he was unifying seven separate kingdoms and a bunch of other little petty principalities, or whatever it was. He, wasn't, he didn't see himself as a conqueror, not in the sense that he was conquering land for conquering's sake, but rather that he was uniting. Although the history doesn't remember it that way, honestly, you could even consider Aegon uh, the unifier. But of course, he's known as Aegon the Conqueror. Um, after his grandfather passed away from either a stroke or a heart attack or something in between, his father Aenus became king. Once his father became king, it was apparent to the lords of Westeros that he was to follow him in the Iron Throne. Of course, many people argue for Reyna, his sister, but due to the laws or the customs or whatever you want to call it in Westeros, a woman was never to inherit his father or her father's seat. But regardless of what it was, Aegon decided to name, or rather to name, to marry um, Aegon and Reyna, and then just went ahead and named him uh, Prince of Dragonstone. He ended up marrying them. He thought it was a good idea. He got a lot of pushback, but he didn't seem to care. Uh, he had fathered before in many other issues, but not this. Uh, in the ceremony of his uh, wedding, of Aegon's wedding and uh, Reyna, uh, Aenus named him Prince of Dragonstone, which really set the stage for Visenya leaving and then plotting uh, Maegor's return. Although, honestly, it is hard to say whether she really plotted to bring him back because, you know, there's some theories that she poisoned Aenus. But who knows? Maybe she was just a uh, very opportunist and she saw that Aenus was not going to be a good ruler. And when he passed away, she said, hey, this is my moment. Let's bring Maegor. Let's, make, let's bring rule back. And let's just continue uh, keeping this thing going. But it just seemed that she was power hungry and that she really wanted her line to succeed because she thought that she and her kids, well, her kid, Maegor, and even perhaps his kids would make great kings. Although what her real thoughts were, you know, we will never know unless, of course, the author decides to write a more detailed story about the conquest. After the marriage of Aegon and Reyna, uh, Aenus was raided by almost everybody, but particularly uh, by the faith of the seven. Uh, well, the speaker of the faith of the seven, the High Septon. He went ahead and called him a abomination, you know, giving him the nickname King Abomination. A lot of people picked it up, lords, uh, small folk, and the like. And he was a little bit scared. He was like, hey, people don't love me, but I have a great idea. Let me send my son and my daughter in a royal procession. And the small folk are going to come back to our side. They're going to love them. 
uh, his uh, daughter Reina told him, hey, it would be a good idea if I bring my dragon. Uh, she was insistent. She asked nicely. She almost told him, hey, I'm going to bring him. But Aenas was like, no, don't do that. Uh, it's going to look bad since Aegon hasn't yet claimed a dragon. So she relented and they went ahead uh, on the royal procession. Uh, when they, wherever they went, there were gear and there were even incidents. And one in particular uh, where a lot of small folk began to throw dirt at them and their knights and the people who were attending them tried to fight back, but there were just too many of them. Uh, this incident led to them being trapped at a crack hole by the members of the faith. Uh, this is when uh, Aenus ended up passing away, uh, presumably from the pressure of this anxiety that was brought to him by people not loving him and then his son and daughter being trapped and possibly killed. I mean, it, who knows what he was told. Uh, in the book, it just says that he found out that they were trapped in crag hole, but honestly, they could have told him, hey, they're dead, and that he, would have, he could have had a, a massive stroke or any other kind of sudden illness. I mean, he was kind of a sickly kid uh, and very known to be very weak, but he could also have been poisoned. Uh, some people say that he was poisoned with the tears of Liz by Bessenia. But honestly, it does seem that Bessenia, for all that matters, did care about her family. Because none of her family were hurt while she was alive. You know, they might have been, quote-unquote, uh, under house arrest. But nobody died while she was alive. It was until she passed away that Magor went and did some kinslaying. Now, whatever you think of Visenya, uh, she knew how to get things done. I mean, she was an experienced leader, and quite frankly, in many cases, she was as much of a warrior, as much of a leader as Aegon was. In some cases, she was much, much better. Uh, she was the oldest, so by all laws, she, was, she should have inherited uh, the position of king, or rather queen, after Aegon died, not Aenus. But whatever the case, after he died, Aenus, she ended up taking action and went to Pentos, brought back Maegor, and Maegor took control of Westeros, and more importantly, King's Landing, the capital. Now, it's a little bit of an overstatement to say he took control of Westeros, uh, because Westeros at this point was a bit of a mess. Not as it would have been in the Dance of the Dragons or the War of the Five Kings. But it was messy in the sense that a lot of lords were taking this as an opportunity to take off and do whatever they wanted to do. You know, a lot of men said, hey, uh, the faith is no longer on the side of the conquerors. So why don't we just go ahead and bring back the old ways? Many of the great lords, however, were really not buying this. You know, they did, however, want their power back, but they saw that it was probably better to just have the Targaryens in the throne. So, for all intents and purposes, it was minor lords and small folk that really began this uprising. Uh, the tower, or the high towers in Old Town, 
you know, they were a bit suspicious because the fate of the seven was originally founded and its main uh, headquarters was in Old Town. But other than that, most of the Lords of Westeros seem to have taken a uh, neutral position, which was really bad for the realm. But whatever the case, Maegor took control, and Aegon and Rena were able to leave Crackhole because the members who were besieging them decided to march on uh, King's Landing. Now, Aegon and uh, Rhaenys, I'm sorry, Rhaena, ended up at Castle Rock. Now, most of the other lords didn't really take them in for more than a day, but Casterly Rock decided to bring them in. Now, the Lannisters have always been known to be scheming and opportunist. But in this case, they seem to just be generally very nice. But obviously, they weren't just nice. They wanted something, right? Why not uh, let the possible future king stay at your place and his queen? Uh, during this uh, prolonged state, uh, Reyna was told by the uh, Lady of Casterly Rock, uh, Lehman Lannister's wife, that she was pregnant. Reyna was a bit surprised. But, you know, both her and Aegon were not all that upset about it. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they wanted to get married. They were relatively happy. But, you know, it's still a bit scary. Uh, their faith was uncertain at this time. Aegon wasn't king, but their uncle, Maegor, was. And they were honestly assuming that he was going to kill them. Now, while Maegor was going to Old Town to take care of business then, Aegon and Reyna sneak into the capital. And Aegon ended up taking Quicksilver, who was his father's dragon. Uh, now that he had a dragon and Reyna had a dragon, a lot of the lords began to wonder if perhaps Aegon could be king. At this time, however, most of the lords simply decided to stay with Maegor. He had the better claim, well, he had the better claim in the sense that many lords saw Aegon as a weak man, or rather weak boy, because at this point he was only 15. So they saw Maegor as the knight, the warrior, and more importantly, the leader the Westeros needed. And to be clear, Maegor wasn't called Maegor the Cruel at this point. Many lords saw him as a, a great option. Uh, it was after his constant failure to procure an heir that he began to become more and more cruel. Uh, some people would argue that this was always who he was, and there were a few instances where this is shown. But honestly, it was probably this that really drove him to madness. Or maybe it was just his personality. Whatever the case may be, Aegon now had a dragon. And he was amassing an army. Uh, a few lords supported him. And the lord of Castle Rock, again, the guy named um, Lehman Lannister, ended up sending a bastard brother of his with about 500 men. And Aegon decided to march on Westeros. 
he was making his way through the Riverlands, and notably absent was Reina. Uh, she decided to stay at Castle Rock. The argument has been made that she did not approve of this, and that Aegon decided to just go on without her. Of course, at the time, she was pregnant, so this also could have been the reason why she wasn't with him. While Aegon the Uncrowned was marching through the Riverlands, there were three separate armies that were marching towards him in different directions. At this point, Maegor the Cruel, which was a name that had yet to be given, or rather, yet to be earned by him, was also flying his dragon, Balarion the Black Dragon. And it was with this dragon that he ended this little rebellion. Uh, Aenus, uh, or rather Aegon, as previously stated, was in his father's mount, Quicksilver. But Belarion simply was too big, Megor simply too ferocious. And when they met, Belarion tore the head of Quicksilver clean. Aegon fell to his death, and his little rebellion was ended. His small army was destroyed by Belarion the Black Dread and by the three armies under the God's eye. And this was the end of Aegon the Uncrowned. Thank you for listening. Uh, this has been Gato, and Gato out. Until next time.